RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. Civil Service Minister unveils plans to hold mass drills next year to help government departments prepare for large-scale mobilisations. The Justice Secretary defends the decision to amend the law to empower the Health Secretary to invalidate COVID vaccination exemption certificates. The Secretary for the Environment and Ecology vows to keep the increase on electricity charges as small as possible and heads role as Elon Musk takes charge at Twitter. Civil Service Minister Ingrid Young has announced plans for drills next year to help government departments prepare for large-scale mobilisations. The plan was foreshadowed in the Chief Executive's policy address last week. Speaking on an RTHK radio programme, Ms Young said the government currently has contingency plans for major incidents, including natural disasters and public health events like the pandemic, but needs to plan for unforeseen circumstances. We are aiming at mobilising staff up to tens of thousands for mega incidents that require a lot of staff input, a lot of immediate staff response. We are hoping to be able to do some drills in the first quarter of next year. Ms Young also revealed that a draft of a new code of conduct for civil servants should be ready about the same time. Lan Kwai Fong Group Chairman Alan Zeman has welcomed the easing of COVID measures on bars and restaurants as a breath of fresh air after three difficult years. From Thursday, restaurants can continue to operate dine-in services beyond midnight and bars don't need to close at 2am. Mr Zeman said it meant that nightclubs could operate for longer than three hours a night, but he said real change would come with the dropping of all restrictions. I think that's the one missing link at the moment. I think once we adjust the zero plus three, zero plus three has been a huge game changer, of course. But I think once we get to zero plus zero, it'll make a big difference because tourists are not coming back at the moment because they don't want to be tested. Some are only here for two or three days. They want to be able to go to establishments, the restaurants and bars and clubs. Secretary for Justice Paul Lamb has defended the government's decision to amend the law to empower the Health Secretary to invalidate COVID vaccine exemption certificates. He said it's legal, reasonable and best serves the public interests. He says problematic certificates will create a growing public health risk and the authorities must act decisively in reaching a clear decision as quickly as possible. The government earlier sought to void over 20,000 certificates issued by seven doctors suspected of violating the law. The High Court ruled last Friday that the Health Secretary had no power to do so. And on Tuesday, the government amended the Prevention and Control of Disease Regulation to give the Health Chief such power. The Secretary for the Environment and Ecology, Tsuchin Wan, has vowed to keep the increase in electricity charges as small as possible. The new tariffs are set to be introduced as early as the end of next month. His comments on a radio programme came days after one of the city's electricity suppliers, CLP, cautioned that rate hikes were unavoidable next year. Mr C says the world faces an energy crisis and that Hong Kong is faring better than some European countries. He urged residents to use more energy-efficient products. Turning overseas, President Putin has denied having any intention of using nuclear weapons in Ukraine. In a speech, the Russian leader said there would be no point in launching such an attack. He's previously made veiled threats about nuclear strikes, prompting condemnation from Western countries. The BBC's Steve Rosenberg in Moscow has more. What Vladimir Putin calls his special military operation is already into its ninth month. He claimed he had never talked about using nuclear weapons in the Ukraine conflict. And yet, since Russia invaded Ukraine, on several occasions, President Putin has dropped unsubtle hints that he would be prepared to use all the weapons in Russia's arsenal. And he issued this prediction, that the coming decade would be the most dangerous and unpredictable 
since the end of the Second World War. The Iranian authorities have once again used live ammunition to try to suppress widespread anti-government protests. State media said three people were killed in the northwest city of Mahabad after demonstrators tried to occupy government buildings. Officials in the predominantly Kurdish city blamed separatist groups for trying to stir up unrest. This man, who's now outside the country, has been involved in some of the protests. I've seen the suppression forces beating people and letting them hurry away and get away. It feels like they're trying to intimidate people, make other people think twice before taking them to the street, which has been an effective tactic in the past. It doesn't seem to be working as much this time. Peru has announced the lifting of all pandemic restrictions from today, including the lifting of the state of emergency that's been in place since the first case was identified in March 2020. The BBC's Kat Wiener reports. Two and a half years ago, the Peruvian government won praise for its swift response to the emerging pandemic, imposing a national lockdown within 10 days of the first case of COVID-19 being reported. Yet a year on, out of a population of 33 million, nearly 50,000 Peruvians had died. At the height of the pandemic, dozens of bodies were left lying in the streets every day and the authorities were forced to dig mass graves. Today, with more than 200,000 deaths, Peru has the highest per capita mortality rate for COVID-19 in the world. But a successful vaccination program appears to have finally brought the virus under control. The elected assembly, which runs Northern Ireland, looks set to collapse after the Democratic Unionist Party said it would continue to boycott procedures. The party objects to a post-Brexit trade deal with the European Union. A last-ditch effort to restart the assembly appears to have failed, the BBC's Charlotte Gallagher explains. There was never any real chance of devolved government returning to Stormont today. Six months on from the last election, the Democratic Unionist Party is refusing to engage with the process until the Northern Ireland Protocol is scrapped or significantly altered, as it believes the post-Brexit trading arrangements have cut Northern Ireland adrift from the rest of the UK. So earlier, the DUP blocked the election of a speaker, the first step towards restoring power sharing, prompting fury from other parties. Elon Musk has completed his $44 billion US dollar deal to buy Twitter after months of legal battles. The company's chief executive, Parag Agrawal, is reported to be among a number of senior figures who have been fired. Earlier this year, Mr Musk attempted to back out of the purchase. The BBC's James Clayton in San Francisco has more on the deal. Elon Musk uh, put in an offer for Twitter. This was back in April. Uh, then Twitter's share price started to fall. He started saying that Twitter was full of bots and he wasn't sure how many actual humans were on the platform. He then decided to pull out in July. Twitter said that he'd actually already uh, signed all the legal documents and therefore was on the hook for, for buying Twitter was going to take him to court in October. And then from nowhere, a couple of weeks ago, Elon Musk did another reverse ferret and said that he now wanted to buy Twitter, having disparaged the company for months. So it was a bizarre situation. Amazon shares have tumbled after the world's biggest online retailer issued a gloomy financial update, adding to fears about the global economy. The firm predicted far weaker growth than previously expected in the coming holiday season. More from the BBC's Michelle Fleury in New York. Amazon's share price tumbled 19% immediately after it published its third quarter results. Now, its e-commerce business had already been struggling, partly because consumers stuck at home during the pandemic. They have gone back to shopping in physical stores. 
And then there's Amazon's cloud business, which generates most of the company's profits. It still grew, but at a slower rate, suggesting that customers are feeling the effects of a tougher economy and are perhaps scaling back their use of the platform. Separately, shares in Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, plunged more than 20% after a downbeat set of results from the tech giant. It comes as investor doubts about Mark Zuckerberg's vision for the future grow and revenues and profits decline. Meta's sales shrank by 4% in the last quarter and profits halved. Researchers in Sweden say they're close to completing the first crash test dummy based on an average woman. For decades, car safety features have been designed and tested using dummies representing the size, relative weight and anatomy of an average man. Campaigners say this has had deadly consequences for women who are more likely to die or be seriously injured in a crash. Astrid Linder is leading the research. In order to ensure that you identify the seats that have the best protection for both part of the population, you definitely need to have the part of the population at highest risk represented. Japan is expected to announce a huge stimulus package today to cushion the economy from the impact of a weak yen and inflation. Prime Minister Fumio Kishida said the government would seek swift approval of an extra budget worth 29.1 trillion yen, around 200 billion US dollars. Prices are rising in Japan at their fastest rate in eight years, although the 3% inflation rate is lower than the levels seen in the United States and parts of Europe. The Japanese yen has also lost more than a fifth of its value against the US dollar this year, prompting the authorities to intervene to prop up the currency. Sport and Manchester United have confirmed a place in the next phase of the Europa League after beating Sheriff Tiraspol 3-0 at Old Trafford. Cristiano Ronaldo scored on his return to the United squad. Diogo Dalo and Marcus Rashford were also on target. United boss Eric Ten Hag said his team dominated the match. I, I think it was a, a good win. Um, of course, you always you want more. Uh, I think we create more chances to score more goals. Um, but we created chances and that's good. And finally, we score also three goals. And I think what's good is we play in opponent's half and we stayed there. And so we attacked, well organised. Uh, we don't concede counters. We were good in rest defense, defense transition. We didn't co- uh, come out. Maybe they had one shot in the end of the uh, of the game. First half, one time they came in with a cross, but for the rest, we only played in their half. United's victory sets up a decider against the group leaders Real Sociedad next week. The first place team qualified directly for the last 16, while the runners up will enter a knockout stage playoff. Arsenal missed the chance to seal the top spot in Group A after a 2-0 loss at PSV Eindhoven. Gunners boss Miguel Arteta says he has no complaints about the result. It's the end of a long run and uh, today is the first defeat after a long, long period. It's time to reset. It's time to analyse what happened. Obviously, <coughs> congratulations to PSV. They were the better team. They deserved to win the game. There's no question about that. And uh, we were nowhere near our, our level today and especially the way we competed. In the Europe Conference League, West Ham United reached the last 16 after beating the Danish side Silkeborg 1-0 on a first-half penalty from Manuel Lanzini. Rain has delayed the start of the 2020 World Cup match between Afghanistan and Ireland at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Play was scheduled to start at midday Hong Kong time, but the cover stayed on and the toss didn't take place as planned. Shells are forecast for much of the day, possibly threatening the blockbuster evening clash between Australia and England at the same ground. The tournament witnessed its first washout on Monday, with South Africa and Zimbabwe sharing one point each in Group 2. 
And the stage is set for baseball's World Series between the Houston Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies. The Astros have been the class of the American League all season, while the wild-card Phillies pulled off a string of upsets to reach the final stage. Our US sports commentator Ray Jovanovic thinks the Astros are in good hands when their ace takes to the mound in Game 1 tomorrow morning Hong Kong time. Justin Verlander, their star pitcher, 39 years old, who has been stellar so far in the postseason, he's going to have to be lights out again in game one and to secure that victory. Final statistic for you, 14 wildcard teams in history have made the World Series over the last 20, 22 years. Here's the thing, seven of them have actually won the World Series. So as far as the analytics go, the Philadelphia Phillies have a very good opportunity here, but they're they're facing a team that won 19 more games in the regular season. So I do expect the Astros to prevail. The inaugural season of the Saudi Arabian-backed Live Golf Series comes to a close this weekend with the team championship in Florida. Sergio Garcia will be featured in the event. The former Masters champion says he's made the right decision to join the breakaway competition, despite criticism from some of his former Ryder Cup teammates. Some of the guys on the other side don't really want me there, so I don't want to be a burden to everyone and, and even less on a Ryder Cup. So I'd rather be away from that as much as it hurts and make sure that you have the best chance of winning than me and being there and three or four guys that are going to be there are going to be upset or something. I think the Ryder Cup is bigger than any of us or me, even with my record. And the season-ending event takes place at the Donald Trump-owned Blue Monster at Doral in Florida. The former U.S. president says the PGA Tour should have explored a deal with the Saudi-backed Live Golf Series. They're good people with unlimited money, and something could have been worked out very easily, and the tour decided to go, you know, as Richard Nixon said, to stonewall it. That didn't work out too well for them. A statue of Anne Frank that was stolen from a public square in Argentina earlier this year has been restored and reinstalled on its marble plinth. City officials and the Dutch ambassador attended the ceremony in Buenos Aires. Although the statue of the Jewish teenage diarist was recovered within 12 hours of the theft in March, its legs were broken and it required extensive restoration work. It's one of only two replicas of an original that stands in Amsterdam outside the building where the Frank family hid from the Nazis during the Second World War. And on to the weather. It will be fine and dry with moderate east to northeasterly wind fresh offshore. And the outlook? It will be persistently fine and dry in the next few days and it will be windy on Monday and Tuesday. Currently the temperature is 29 degrees Celsius and the relative humidity is 51%. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The Civil Service Minister unveils plans to hold mass drills next year to help government departments prepare for large-scale mobilisations. The Justice Secretary defends the decision to amend the law to empower the Health Secretary to invalidate COVID vaccination exemption certificates. And heads roll as Elon Musk takes charge at Twitter. The news from RTHK. The Brew with Phil Whelan on Radio 3.
Spectre on Radio 3 for a Friday afternoon, 20 minutes past one. Very nearly. Lovely to be with you. Danny Hicks is going to be bringing you sports and all in about six minutes from now. This is the new power generation for the good life. Oh 